J.R.R. Tolkien was not only the prolific writer of the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit series, he was a lifelong Catholic who also had the pleasure of leading C.S. Lewis to Jesus Christ. The Tolkien Society, of which Tolkien himself was once president, is celebrating his life with a series of essays including Transgender Realities in the Lord of the Rings, The Queer in Tolkien's The Lord of the Rings, Tolkien's Dwarf Women and the Feminine Lack, and of course, Destabilizing Cishetero Amatonormativity in the Works of Tolkien. We have now reached a new level of insanity. I'm Matt Odegaard. Welcome to Church Public. Welcome to Church Public. I'm Matt Odegaard. I'll be your host today. Thank you so much for tuning in. I certainly appreciate it. Without you and without your help and support, I couldn't do what I do here. There is so much going on in the world today, and uh, much of the news I kind of pass by because it doesn't directly intersect with faith. It does, but again, there's just too much to talk through. This one happened to grab my interest. I actually heard about it a couple of weeks ago, but because of scheduling and whatever, I couldn't get around to it until today. The fact of the matter is Tolkien has been a great influence on me. I read his books when I was a teenager and of course have watched all the movies and, and shown my kids the movies and, and explained and expressed the ideas within, specifically the ideas of good and evil. If you missed some of the other podcasts that we've done here, you can go to churchpublic.com. You can check us out on Apple Music and Google and Spotify and all the other places. And of course, check us out on social media at Church Public. If you are listening, thank you so much. You can also watch at YouTube, search Church Public as one word, and you will find me there. Again, thank you so much for supporting. I want to start out with this story of a fateful night. Um many, many decades ago in England, and it starts with a statement something like this, with C.S. Lewis saying, myths are lies. Tolkien responds with some statement, again, there's, there's some letters and stories about this, but with some kind of statement like, no, myths are not lies. And the point, this argument that apparently they were in until the wee hours of the morning, there was another guy there as well, but Lewis, Tolkien, and this other guy, were there and discussing reality, discussing non-reality, discussing myths as they had done for many sessions because they were very obsessed with some of these Norwegian and Scandinavian myths. And they were specifically talking about the myth of Jesus. But this apparently this turning point in C.S. Lewis's life was this realization when Tolkien points out that these myths we tell are actually a fragment of true light. They tell us something about humanity or they tell us something about the real world. Whereas Tolkien would argue this materialistic progress, if you just view life in terms of material, we talked about that with Plato, we talked about it with some, some other philosophers, that if you think everything is just actual thing, like material, that only leads to, as Tolkien would say, the abyss. And instead, these myths elevate us up into another level of understanding that there is more to this life. And this turning point for C.S. Lewis was that the Christian myth, the myth of Jesus Christ, is actually true. 
So on this night, it appears to have happened September 19th, 1931, in this heated conversation between these authors and another, another professor, Tolkien had convinced Lewis to accept Christ's sacrifice for his salvation. <clears throat> Lewis wrote later, October 1931, now what Dyson, that was the third gentleman, and Tolkien showed me is that the story of Christ is simply a true myth, a myth working on us in the same way as the others. He's talking about these other myths. But the tremendous difference is that it really happened, end quote. That is the way that Lewis portrays basically his conversion into Christianity that Tolkien had a great influence on. And Tolkien, born in South Africa, converted to Catholicism around eight, grew up in England. Because one of Tolkien's greatest friends was C.S. Lewis, as we talked about above, Tolkien was one of the two guys who helped Lewis find this truth of Jesus. And that's, that's really important. And it's really important to understand that while this crazy fantasy world of The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings are obviously not real and not real world, the, the point that Tolkien clearly wrote into this was that there are, there's more reality than what you see. <clears throat> which is evidently true, and that there is right and wrong. There is morality. He was pushing against this thing that was coming up in the 20s, 30s, and on beyond that, <clears throat> that these theories, these philosophies were coming up that were pushing against the value uh, and really the battle of good and evil. And that was a lot of what Tolkien wrote into, this battle of good and evil. And that even as we see in some of his characters, if you think you're a good person, you think you're a good guy, you can still be affected or infected by the evil of this world. And that's just the reality of sin and sin nature as we read about in Paul and Romans and things like that. But he helped illustrate some of these things. And it was said of Tolkien that he went to Mass as often as he could. According to various histories and accounts, he lived his life following Jesus and infused much of this theology into his writings, like the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings series. So why are we talking about this today? What does this have to do with current culture today? Well, the Tolkien Society, founded in 1969, this Tolkien Society, founded in 1969, <clears throat> uh, and once apparently even had... Tolkien himself, as the president, has changed quite a bit since then. And that's what we're talking about today. This, this, I think, is something that illustrates both many of the things that are broken in society today and some of the things that are going well with the culture. And we're going to get to both of those in just a moment. But to reiterate what I said at the beginning, there are... This Tolkien Society, which has been around now for decades and even included Tolkien himself at one point, now have scheduled this summer a seminar of diversity and inclusion. There will be topics, as I mentioned, like transgender realities in The Lord of the Rings, the queer in Tolkien's The Lord of the Rings, Tolkien's dwarf women and the feminine lack, and destabilizing cis-hetero and metanormativity in the works of Tolkien. If that was a mouthful, yes it is. And all of this is, uh, I, I guess, all to say not in Tolkien. And we're going to talk about that more specifically. And I'm not going to get too into philosophy of each of those things because I don't need to. 
Um, I don't need to because what we're going to look at again is worldview. We continually come back to worldview. Why is this important? Why does this matter? And, and what, what does it have to do with me today? What if I don't even like Tolkien? Um, the point is, the reason he's important as a literary figure is he combined this fantasy world with biblical worldview, the Western biblical worldview that there is good, there is evil, there is truth, there is falsity, and you can find the two, and you can live according to the two. And there are consequences depending on which way you choose. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago in the two roads. There are two roads. Jesus points this out. There are two roads, and you have to choose which road you are on. This culture would tell you that there are, I guess, an infinite number of roads. Uh, that's pluralism in a nutshell, that all roads lead to God. I had, um, I had some I was going to say friends. Sorry, I'm, I'm self-censoring here. They weren't necessarily friends. Anyway, I knew people <clears throat> in previous parts of my life that would put stickers on their car that is this coexist sticker with all the different letters formed by different religious organizations. <clears throat> and questions that I had in those conversations were, how can you believe this and believe in Jesus? And obviously, the ultimate response is you can't. You can't believe that all roads lead to God since many of the letters that comprise the coexist sticker are in conflict ideologically, worldview in conflict with each other, theologically in conflict with each other. They just actually are. Maybe I'll do an episode on that sticker at some point uh, because it's actually fascinating and and it's 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 such an ideological spin and theological spin because that you literally can't take. Uh, all of the letters together. But the same holds true with the LGBTQ plus philosophy. <clears throat> Many of those letters are actually in conflict with each other, but to that worldview, it apparently doesn't matter. And that is the place that we get into in this different worldview. So the good news is people are pushing back on this alternate reality of an alternate reality, right? The, the reality of the Lord of the Rings, the Hobbit. It's not a real reality. I mean, it's, it's not real. It's obviously a fantasy story. Again, I have members of my family who don't like it specifically because it is a fantasy story and they prefer things that are not fantasy. I get that. And his works are fiction, clearly fiction. They were written as that. But as we talked about in mythology, and I've done a fair bit of, of review in mythology from <clears throat> my first graduate degree, um, mythology was, was a part of that. And it's important because mythology seeks to go beyond this material that we talked about, the, the physical world, and illustrate something immaterial or beyond the material, right? That's the supernatural, more than the natural world. And the reason it does that for us in all of the different cultures, again, some are more right and some are less right in returns in, in terms of what's, what's real and what's not. <clears throat> but they all seek to illustrate something that we can't explain or we can't understand. And that's where you don't have to know all these words. You don't have to know all the things. And, and, and Tolkien's, one of his goals for certain, as was a goal of many of the writers of mythology, is to help us humans understand something that's hard to understand through a great story. Because stories are so powerful and they have been for all of time. And the beauty of the story of Christ, just as C.S. Lewis found out, is that story is true. It is both a great story because it tells this salvation account and it's true and has impact on you in the here and now and 
in the future for literally all of eternity. So as some myths are true, and clearly Tolkien spent years crafting a work of mythology that, while obviously fantastical, points to this higher truth about God and friendship and love and loss and morality and good and bad, and it could go on and on. I'm not going to get into the literary criticism at this point, but the point is it clearly any, none of the works of Tolkien point to queer theory, destabilizing cis-hetero amata normativity. They don't. That stuff didn't exist at the time in the way that certain critical theorists apply it now. And that clearly was not Tolkien's point. The point was clearly, hey, there's good and evil. Uh, friendship is valuable as he had a great friendship with Lewis and, and some others. Um, that was very valuable. And we don't hear a lot about that today. That's why it is interesting to watch the story. It's even interesting to read Frodo and Sam's journey of friendship um, because, and, and many in this series are, are promoting that into a homosexual relationship. And it clearly is not. It's a friendship, but we, we can't have same-sex friendships anymore without it turning into something sexual because everything is sexual. And that's not the way it's supposed to be, and that's not the way it always has been either. So this new society of Tolkien, not to be confused with the competing Tolkien society, I know that's confusing, but I'll try and be as unconfusing as possible. There, the older one is the Tolkien Society, been around since 1969. A new society has come up called the Society of Tolkien. Again, very similar name, a little bit confusing, but there's a new one, there's an old one. We'll talk about the new one, now is having a, another, I'd say maybe competing session where they will have more standard things in it. Like, uh, I'm not going to list all the names, you can, you can go look it up, but my personal favorite is Tolkien is Timeless, Tinseltown is Trite. Man, I just love that title. It's such a good title. Uh, I, could, I could spend 10 or 15 minutes talking about that title, but I'm not going to at this moment for your sake. You're welcome. So Keith Casey, the founder of this new Society of Tolkien said, Tolkien's works are wonderful and should be cherished and understood as he wrote them instead of twisted to fit current cultural fads, end quote. Now, I'm just gonna pause there for a moment and say this is a great statement about almost all that is wrong with culture today in that we are, as a culture, not me, but many in this culture are continually looking back into history, looking back into literature like this, looking back into the Bible and reading into it things that are not there based on current cultural norms, values, or even things they want to be true that clearly are not true. This is a great example in the Tolkien, but we've seen it over and over again through the Bible, I'll be doing a, a post on ex-evangelicals, this, this new fad that evangelicals are leaving Christianity because now they see things in the Bible or in the faith or in the church that they don't like anymore. So they're ex-evangelicals. They're out of the evangelical circle. And, and by and large, a lot of that reason is they're reading into scripture things that aren't there because they believe that the culture should dictate what the Bible says rather than the Bible dictating what the culture believes. You see how there are some backwards, forwards things going on there, and yet that's what we are continually doing. We do it in the statues that are being taken down. We do it in the history that is being rewritten with 
the competing 1619 project and 1776 commission that one is taking history as it is and one is taking history in their words as it should be or as we should view it even if it's not actually history again we're talking about uh, the story of is the story true and is it helpful or is the story just promoting the story itself and that in, in by and large is the difference between myths like Thor that is clearly not true but is still teaching and myths like Jesus that is true and does illustrate what you should do and how you should live morally. hope that's not too confusing but you can message me and, and, and we can talk more about it. So this new uh, founder of the new society, Casey, admits he's not an academic, but he says this should not stop him from protecting something he loves. He says, quote, I can appreciate a great story with strong characters and key lessons. He says that Tolkien, who was a devout Catholic, that's true, offers many lessons for people that stay within the scope of this work. So Casey's three lessons are, I love these, First, we always keep our word. That actually happens to be the same first value that I have in my family. Telling the truth, saying what you mean to say, meaning what you say, right? And not telling lies. All of those are the same thing. That is our number one value in my house. And, and at some point, we'll do some parenting review. And that's really important for your family. It's really important for your kids. That, that is a number one value. Keeping your word covers over a lot of other things because when you don't keep your word when you lie you break that relationship no matter what relationship it is and so it is very important to say true things that's his first second we always help our friends man what a great lesson and that is a key and crucial lesson throughout all of this series between different people different protagonists uh in the story and that's important. And then third, of course, I love this one. He says, this is Casey, the, the uh, founder of this new society, says, we always fight the orcs. And of course, that's a little bit tongue in cheek. But at the same time, it is very apropos in, in the, the way that like there is a culture. And this is why I do what I do. Hopefully, this is why you're listening. Hopefully, you can appreciate this. Uh, again, if you don't know, if you haven't read the books, if you haven't seen the movies, the orcs are, uh, in essence, the bad army. I'll just say it that way. And, and they represent what happens when you are morally evil. There have been complaints that the orcs represent race and racist things. It's just not true. It just it doesn't make any sense in the story. The point is they just represent evil. They represent what happens when morality goes bad. It's very clear that's the point of the orcs. And Casey's point, my point, and all that I do is we have to stand up for truth and stand against, we have to fight the orcs, we have to stand against moral evil. We cannot let it fester in society when we see it. And for too long, the church has tried to be more country club where, and, and some believers that I know uh, are great people, but they fall into this category too, where they just want to sit back and not stand up for what is right. And when we don't stand up for right, when we don't say what is true, it's the same as letting it happen. And 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 we we can't do that anymore. We have to begin to stand up for what is right. We have to fight. Um, and I don't mean physically, and I don't mean aggressively. 
I just mean we have to be bold in what is true. Yes, loving. Yes, graceful. Uh, I talked the other day about Jesus and his interactions with the woman at the well, the Samaritan adulterous woman, and the way that he connected with her, but also helped her see the life she was living was not the right life and sent her to a place where she would live and go and sin no more. And he did that over and over again to many people who were at the time living in sin. This is important. But we have to begin to stand for the truth. Casey says, this third point, fighting the orcs, will help people understand that we have to stand up for things that matter or they will all be destroyed by this culture. He says, quote, we have to step up to protect and celebrate things we love or they will be destroyed. His point here, the Tolkien webinar, is my way of celebrating Tolkien's words, end quote. But I extend that and I think I can extend that because there is this pervasive anti-morality that is it is just corroding all parts of culture and and as believers as holders of the truth as people with the spirit in us the spirit of truth with jesus uh being the very truth we, we have to stand for truth we, we can't let these crazy cultural things happen because they will be they will continue and continue and continue to happen the very founders of america as we're coming up to the fourth of july fought for truth the freedom of speech the freedom of religion are in fact pursuits of truth by speaking truth to power as they did to the king of england by speaking truth in difficult situations, true things that the culture doesn't like to hear. I mean, ultimately that was the preacher's job for years and years should be still that you speak the truth when people don't wanna hear it. Read any of the prophets in the Old Testament. Many of them were killed, many of them were not liked, they were persecuted, they were jailed, there were all sorts of things that happened to them because when you speak truth, uh, it it disrupts this culture because the culture doesn't want to hear the truth. And, and we know that and we see that. I mean, best example, of course, is Jesus' life. Jesus spoke truth and he was killed for it. Many of the apostles, the disciples, were also killed for speaking the truth. I'm not saying we should go out and be ridiculous and, and try to get killed. I'm just saying the culture doesn't like the truth, but we have to begin to speak the truth. And that's why I love this example of, even though it's a small thing and it's just literature, and you can say, I don't care about the books, the books don't matter, all this thing. It does matter. The culture does matter. What you do in the culture does matter. What you stand up to and present truth to culture, it does matter. And we've seen that. We've seen it in the renaming of schools named for people they don't like, the tearing down of statues that they don't like, schools, buildings, paintings, other art, and this literature that are being destroyed, deconstructed, and removed for the sake of making history something that it's not and creating it in their image. No, the works of Tolkien obviously are not gospel, but they do help us remind us of the eternity that is to come and that life is bigger than we see today. Again, it's that flash of light, that, that glimmer of truth that we can see in it, and we come down to worldview. This always comes down to worldview. Tolkien he was a devout Catholic, and he clearly saw worldview through the eyes of the Bible, through the eyes of the church. Much of his writing was about the dangers of evil, the dangers of morality. He even witnessed this firsthand in the Great War, in World War, which he and Lewis both fought in. They saw this together. They saw the evil, the danger of letting immorality 
pervade the society. They saw it firsthand. They saw the death and destruction that it physically caused firsthand. And they, through their own ways, you know, Lewis did Narnia and a bunch of apologetic books. And Tolkien did these two series, The Hobbit and The Rings series and, and some other books as well. They address them in different ways, but that's the beauty of it. They address them in different ways. And we can, because sometimes we have to appreciate things differently. And it took mythology of all things to help Lewis find Jesus, like such a random way. But that, that's the beauty of God and his spirit and the path. And, and, and we can also just pursue the path and speak truth to this world and to one another. Um, so unfortunately, this worldview that Tolkien had and did right into these series is not the worldview of the current culture. It's just not the worldview of this society. This society is clearly following the worldview of critical theory. And we're going to talk more about critical theory later. I'm working on some of it. I want to get it right because it is incredibly complicated. It is incredibly complicated. Critical theory is the... Uh, I'm not even going to get into it right now. It begins with some of Marx and and Engels' writings and Hegel that, that was before Marx. And it goes through all of these iterations. And it really is a maze of all this all this kind of theory. And you've heard, you've probably heard some of it. And, and I am going to get into it, but not today. The point today here is the sponsors of this society's, uh, the older society, right, um, the their LGBTQ studies in Tolkien is clearly all about critical theory. And in critical theory, the thing that you need to know today is it's all about a struggle of power. It is the battle of oppressor and oppressed, and it encompasses all systems, all structures, all areas of life. Um, it was specifically in law and history and literature and, of course, truth. And at the heart of this is Christianity because Christianity is the arbiter of truth. It is the source of truth. And because this is all about power, truth is not just irrelevant, but it, it must be removed to make way for the individual or group story of identity. This is why you hear things like live your truth, you be you. Those types of statements are all about removing foundational absolute truth and and raising up individual truth or group truth based on your identity group and we'll get more into that in a later episode but this story that Tolkien wrote and the stories that we read about Jesus the true stories about Jesus they help us remember that we do have the ability to affect our culture our role is not to slink back into the shadows uh, our, our role is rather to stand up, to stand firm against false truth, against retelling of history in our own image. That is, I mean, at the base, idolatry. And, and there are a couple of commandments about that you can read in, um, in the first couple of books of the Bible. But we can stand in the truth of Jesus. I, I, I love this story and I, I reflect back on this story a lot. It was a very quick interchange, but there was a lot, so much in it. And um, Jesus, as he was in the process of, of, of his crucifixion, right before he was turned over, was talking with Pontius Pilate, and they apparently had a conversation. And, and so Jesus is talking about who he is and why he came to this earth. And Pontius Pilate asks him the question that the culture is still asking today. This is the question that... Jesus was asked when he was on this earth that 
this whole culture is still asking today with this seminar, with so many other different things, all of the, the theory, the critical theory elements ask the same question. The question is, what is truth? That's the question this culture is asking. And the answer that they want is not the real answer. They want the answer, just like Pilate did, that there is no truth. Their point is rhetorical. Their point is, what is truth? There is no truth. Therefore, I can do whatever I want. I can live however I want. There is no foundation. I can create my own society, again, in my image or whatever image I want. That is what the culture wanted then. That is what the culture wants now. Tolkien, others, Jesus says no. And I just love, I will always come back to scripture and I always come back to Jesus' words himself who said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. That is what Jesus said. He presents it as clearly as possible that he is the truth. He is the life. And he would go on to say the thing that the culture hates, there is no other way. The culture hates this. And if you live up to this, in other words, if you follow Jesus' truth in this, the culture will hate you too. They just will. They hated all of the disciples. They have hated followers of Jesus for the 2,000 years the Christian church has been around, and this culture is no different, and you're seeing it unfold every day in society. So we have to be emboldened, not in ourselves, not in our own, our own, uh, whatever we bring to the table. We need to be emboldened in what Jesus puts in us, the indwelling spirit of Jesus, that he is the truth and we have that truth in Jesus Christ. That is really the only way to live. So I hope you are encouraged by that. I hope you can go out and live in the truth of Jesus and stand up to this rather insane world and that you will, as always, keep the faith. Thanks again for choosing Church Public. I am Matt Odegaard. Don't forget to subscribe on whatever platform you are on. You can always go to churchpublic.com. And if you feel like helping out, you can go to churchpublic.com support. Thanks again. We'll see you next time.